Hey guys, this is Sue from Conversations on Karate. Just to quickly let you know that since we recorded this, unfortunately, a couple of Pam and Rich's seminars have been postponed. So please do check out all the websites at the end for further information. Cheers. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to Conversations on Karate. I'm Sue. I'm Greg. And we are joined today by Pam Armitage and Rich Dimitri. Hi. Hello. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Yeah, welcome to the podcast. Another another Mary Stevens introduction. (laughs) She's sending us people. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. We appreciate it. Yeah, Yeah, well. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, it's amazing to have you both. So we might as well. Let's just start off by asking you how you both came to actually be involved in self-protection self-defense and study of violence and everything because you came into it from very different routes didn't you so yeah so Pam how did you come into it Uh, I got in I mean where do I where what point what's the origin point of this well I remember Um, watching reading that you you'd studied uh, dance and yoga and and that had given you some information yeah, so I, I mean, I, I've been teaching um, for since I was a teenager in, in, in different disciplines, dance, um, you, you know, yoga came later, obviously, but dancing, um, you know, I even got to the point where I started, you know, teaching models, new models in, in the modeling industry, um, you know, how to walk and um, that sort of thing, uh, certain safety things even back then. Uh, I taught dance, like I said, and then I, you know, and went on to teach yoga and then I got into self-protection, self-defense from there. I got into this industry about five years ago um, from meeting Rich. Um, I first had started kind of, you know, researching self-protection after a friend of mine had been sexually assaulted um, on a date, a first date with someone. Um, And that's kind of how I first met Rich. Life took over, things happened. We never ended up connecting beyond social media. Um, and that kind of got put on the, the back burner. You fast forward uh, five, four years, four or five years. I lost my sister. It was just a whirlwind of events. Um, and I ended up connecting with Rich again, long story short. And he, you know, sent me a bunch of material. Uh, I ended up training and learning from him and Chris Roberts through SAFE, becoming SAFE certified, and uh, that's basically how I got in, into it, is, is connecting with him, learning everything that I, I, you know, a lot of what I know now um, from, from him, and just kind of growing beyond that, uh, bringing trauma into the forefront and the focus of, of the self def- in the self-defense industry. So my my story is as far as getting involved in this industry is not nearly as long as as Rich, which has been in the industry for much much forever. longer. Yeah, forever. I'll let you take the reins there. <laughs> um, I, 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 where do you start to? <laughs> well, it, it, let's. I'm gonna condense it and put it in a bit of a nutshell because most of it can be found online anyway at the touch of a Google hit, right? Um, so, uh, uh, pretty much I started in martial arts when I was a really young kid. I was, uh, six years old and, um, my dad took me to see Enter the Dragon. He fell in love with Bruce Lee and so did I, cause you know, I was a kid and it was like, wow. 
Um, and then he literally enrolled me in karate the next day, which is something I got um, very much involved in, loved it from the start. Um, immersified myself in the martial arts as I'm neurodivergent. I have ADHD and a bunch of other stuff. So um, I wasn't a good team player. I didn't like team sports. Uh, I liked individual sports. So martial arts became a very passionate thing of mine back in those days. Um, fast forward, I'm 12, my brother's four. Long story short, he drowns. Um, and, and uh, you know, that messes up my family, of course, my parents. Uh, and back in those days, there was no go see a shrink. It was, you know, back to work on Monday, back yeah. to school on Monday. But, yeah, life goes on. Um, it did, but I kind of immersed myself even deeper into the martial arts uh, to the point that by the time I was 19, 20 years old, I acquired the equivalent of, well, I had about four or five black belts and in instructor certificationships uh, from a variety of different types of systems. I had studied an equivalent of about, at that point, 13 different martial arts and combative systems, including boxing, kickboxing, wrestling, and a whole bunch of other stuff, kung fu, karate, da, 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 da. Um, Moved on and on uh, uh, because of the trauma that I had induced and the fact that, you know, I never took care of it and never even realized I had it. Uh, it's just the norm for me. I found myself living a lifestyle of uh, adrenaline seeking. So I got myself into the life of bodyguarding and high profile clients, doorman, undercover security, sweeper, all kinds of stuff for all kinds of people for over 20 close to 30 years at this point. Uh, fast forward from 1990, when I'm 1920, I started doing all that stuff. In 1994, I created my own martial arts system called Sanchito. Um, Sanchito became international by the year 2000, and I became recognized as one of the top in my field worldwide, began traveling um, the world consistently, got into all of the martial arts magazines you can think of, from Black Belt to this to that, made covers, uh, Australia, the worldwide stuff all the way down to Finland, <laughs> uh, 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 taught pretty much anybody and everybody from um, the Finnish presidential security team, uh, the British special forces, uh, US Marines. I've, I've worked with law enforcement, military, uh, average civilians, students, women, you name it. <laughs> uh, uh, people from every walk of life you can possibly imagine in over 22 countries to date. And, um, Roughly about uh, 2017, uh, uh, in comes Pam, and um, I've always been looking and searching for the missing link uh, uh, in self-defense. And for me, it was how do we outbirth violence? Outbirth it. I don't want to know how to block this or block that. How the fuck did we get here? Mm. And, and how do we avoid getting here? <laughs> right? Um, and and she brought that. She like I. It, and the funny thing is, it was like, it's the kind of thing that's always in front of your face, but you look beyond it because you have no awareness of it. And yeah. she came into my life literally at a point where I started to recognize all of this stuff because I started to, at that point, see it in, yourself. See it in myself. And I, I, and I had to seek help. I had to seek professional therapy because it got to a point, my post-traumatic stress disorder, uh, the life I led, what happened with my brother, a zillion other things, it started catching up to me deterioration of relationships, uh, everything, things starts falling apart. You get dark, you wake up in the morning, you don't want to wake up anymore. Motivation is gone. You've become reclusive. You're digging into conspiracy theories. The world is getting a little dark now. Mm. So the brain at that point goes, hey, wait a minute, I've got a newborn child 
if I wake up every morning going, I don't want to be here, that's a sign of something. Maybe I need to see somebody. Um, literally started seeing somebody at the time. Uh, uh, and a year and some later, I met Pam, who was trauma sensitive certified. So she brings that to the table. I'm going through therapy and learning a whole bunch of stuff about myself. And then I start to see the cause root or the root cause of violence, right? Mm. And how to outbirth it. And it literally, literally, the root cause of social and antisocial violence literally boils down to trauma, untreated or undiagnosed unresolved. trauma or unresolved trauma. It's it, that, that at the end of the day, that's what it is. That's the core root. Um, so outbirthing it is not necessarily possible because violence is part of the human genome and I get that, um, but reducing it by monumental amounts is vastly possible through education. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's education, social programs, it's shining a light on it, right? It's, um, it's not just, you know, learning about it on social media. Yeah, that's a great starting point, but, you know, making, creating laws and bylaws where, you know, it's mandatory training for people in all realms of law enforcement, for example, police, judges, lawyers, anyone um, who, who is involved with victims of violence and perpetrators of violence. Because if yeah. we're talking about, you know, sociopathy and extreme narcissists, <laughs> these people are not born that way. They're made that way. What? Mm. Through childhood abuse and trauma. That's where it comes down to. I mean, there's, you know, even, a, you know, economic experts, Nobel Peace Prize winning experts who have said that, you know, as far as America goes and U.S. stats, of course, but for every dollar put into social programs that focus on um, uh, at-risk kids, right? So kids that are in high-risk neighborhoods, socioeconomic situations, single parents, that sort of thing, high-risk kids, they save $7 in welfare and incarceration costs. So it's it's really, the numbers are there and it's almost a no-brainer why, you know, and it's confusing why, you know, government officials and, and laws aren't being made and funding isn't putting in into these programs to prevent a lot of trauma and violence and future crime and future criminals. Uh, but when it saves money, it, like sexual violence, for example, and I'm going Canadian statistics. I know you've got a lot of listeners from all over, but we're in Canada and the Canadian statistics is $4 billion a year. It costs the, the Canadian economy for sexual violence. That's just sexual violence. That's not gun violence or domestic violence, you know. So violence is draining our economy, even if you want to look at it and try and appeal to the people who lack empathy, you, you, it comes down to the bottom dollar then, right? Appeal to their their greed and, and money. You wanna save money and have more money for a higher salary? Start investing in this stuff, right? Prevent prevent that kind of thing. So it's uh, it's there's a lot of layers um, to it, but it all boils down to, you know, treating and preventing and being aware of trauma, at least on a personal level, right? At least shining light on individuals to, you know, make them see that, hey, you don't talk about this stuff or you don't resolve this stuff this you're more likely to be targeted you're more likely to be either be abused or become an abuser it's one of one of those two pathways that you potentially are going down if you don't deal with your trauma and 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 both of those unbeknownst to each it seeps into every area of an individual's life 
it's not just, oh, I have this, I haven't dealt with it. Well, now I'm going to deteriorate countless relationships around me from intimate to friendships to work, right? A lot of people don't realize when they're going, oh, why, I, you know, I can't get a good man or woman or person and uh, I keep attracting all the bad ones or I can't find a decent job, jump from job to job to job. And the enemy is a lot of the times more often within. You're not realizing what it is that's making you attractive to these things and positions and people, nor why the self-sabotage is happening. And, and 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 it's it's critical because if you again I I always harp on this been doing it for decades now but the self defense it starts with the self that's the first word <laughs> right so it, it really has to begin there it has to because the vast majority of what is being passed off as self defense is not it's social violence at work you're teach people are teaching people to beat other people up just like them in social violent situations. Oh, oh, over, over, you took over. my parking spot, or you looked at me the wrong way. When these are decent human beings that are, that are angry and upset and ego flares and how dare you talk to me, like these are not predators that they're teaching to defend against. No. These are, you know, it's prevention first, de-escalation second, and then if, if all that fails, then you're looking at defense. Defense is always a last resort. If there's no, you've you know absolved all other options, and I'm still this person isn't walking away, or I, I you know, then we're looking at, at defending. But everyone's straight to the physical. There's no, you know, addressing prevention. It's lip service. It's you know out of their entire program. It's this much prevention and then this much defense. It's like we don't want to have to use. I don't want to have to hurt someone. I'm very confident and know my capabilities in, in the physical components of things. I don't want to have to. I don't want to have to shred someone's face. I don't want to have to do that. That's traumatizing to have to do that. But if I have to, I will. I'll do it if I have to. If that person gives me no other choice, but I want to do everything I can to avoid it. And people don't seem to talk about that. No, no. no, no. no. And, and a lot of the de-escalation that is taught is not de-escalation, it's provocation. It's a setup to a sucker punch. Mm. It, it's it's not about understanding or listening, and the ideology behind it isn't to truly attempt to figure out, hey, is this a good person having a bad day? Our wires got crossed, yeah. or am I dealing with a potential predator of some kind? Well, I need to find this out before I strike the person. I have a moral, ethical... A legal obligation yeah, to myself, to my family. Yeah. You've got the law against you too, if you, you know. Uh, <laughs> so, how many cases have we heard where someone has knocked somebody out and claimed self-defense, and they killed that person? And yeah. you know, evidence shows that no, you weren't defending yourself there. And there's been cases where the opposite. It was clearly a there was um there was a great documentary here, and I don't know if you if you see it. It's called One Punch. I think it's yeah, called, yeah, yeah, yeah. We did see yeah. that. That I felt I felt horrible for for that yeah, guy horrible for him we know somebody like that yeah oh really her, her best friend's husband one, one of my one of my good friends she's not my best friend one, but yeah, one of a good, good friend of mine's husband was about 19 this is before they met years before they met 19 in a bar and he gets in an altercation with another guy really over a spilt drink and it hits the guy knocks him out the guy when he hit or fell uh, hit his head on the bar stool table or whatever it was behind him and died. 
Mm. And he ends up being charged with manslaughter. To add to it, as it turned out, the guy that died happened to be gay. He didn't know this. He was a stranger. He didn't, it wasn't a gay bar. There was no none of there was no knowledge of this. But because the prosecution found this out, and of course they're out some of prose- prosecuting lawyers are just as yeah. vicious and uh, as defense lawyers can be, right? They're they're not too far off from each other in some cases. But because the victim, the person who died, his friends that were there and family, they lied and said, yeah, he was calling him, uh, you know, this and that and, you know, calling him, I don't want to say the word, but the F word, Mm -hmm. if you will, right? You know, he was calling him slurs. He was, um, so, which was not true. Um, I know this person and he is not a a gay basher hater. He has, he has, his brother-in-law is gay. He has friends that are, that's, that's not the case at all. So they lied, and that's what people do. Humans do that. They lie. It's um, very, very common. And he ended up, they anyway, they tacked on an additional, like, six years for hate crime. They made it into a hate crime. So he gets six years for manslaughter plus six for the hate crime. He got out in seven or eight for good behavior and overcrowding and all that, but that's a hell of a lot of trauma. He's not a bad person. He accidentally, you know, kills a person, then spends how many years of his youth, his, you know, his 20s, in in jail in prison yeah. with hardened cr- criminals and sociopaths and that's not a fun ride mm. yeah and that's that's the thing and it but by most martial arts class standards the, the physical thing most people go oh yeah that was a great punch well done they don't teach about everything you've just said it's just not like you said we stop at the the punch part we don't go yeah. much beyond it yeah which is not a problem if you're teaching sport, you're, you're teaching you're sport, or absolutely, yeah, yeah, tradition or whatever, and you tell, like, yeah. I teach kickboxing to children, and I specifically tell them this. None, nothing I'm teaching you is self-defense. This mm. is a sport. There's gloves. There's rules. So if you're here because you think you're going to learn anything to protect yourself in a real world, but yeah. you're not. Don't use there's this attributes. In, don't use this in real don't, life. This is not. Use this, this is not competing and training. Right. This is sport. You don't go on the playground at school and you know kick someone right in the head right don't do that uh even if you're playing around you don't play around with that stuff either it's about supervision and and the like about honesty Mm -hmm. so so if 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 what we teach is violence violence prevention and self-defense and somebody comes to me specifically goes i want you to train me to become the next ufc champion i'm not gonna go yeah yeah come on in we do that (laughs) is that right we don't do that yeah. I can train you up to a certain point, but after that, you're going to need experts and professionals way beyond my capability to yeah. take you to the point where you're winning a championship in the UFC, buddy. Mm-hmm. I'm that. I'm not that guy. But every other guy in the world out there who's doing anything from Tai Chi to MMA and combatives or this or Krav Maga, blah, blah, blah. Oh, self-defense. No. No, man. Don't. You're lying. Right. You're and not there, doing self-defense. And there's a lot of a, a lot of ego uh, attached, attached to that. To that. Like, and it's, there's a lot of you know, it's almost well, dogmatic in a, in a way, right? It's yeah. Like, I was taught it was self-defense, so it is. Yeah, it must be. No, it's not. Like, and it's not a yeah. threat to you as an individual or a person, right? It's it's education. It's, man. it's education. It's understanding. And how are you going to feel if you keep pressing that what you're teaching is self-defense, and then one of your students gets hurt? And it doesn't help them. Mm. How are you going to feel if you're someone with empathy? That's 
That's horrific that's, if you have empathy. Yeah, it's if horrible. you don't, you're going to tell them they need to train harder. They don't come Which enough. Which we've heard. <laughs> yeah. We've heard from survivors, right? We, this, one of my students directly was, she had like instructor certification and black belts and stuff in five different systems. Krav Maga, Brazilian yeah. Jiu-Jitsu, Jeet Kune Do, and two other stuff. She got raped. Okay, None of it helped her. None mm -hmm. of it. She went back to her instructors and said, hey, this and this happened. You don't train hard enough. They told what, what do I need to do? I've been doing this for nine years. I've got black belts and certifications and titles. And why isn't this working? Yeah. Well, because that's it's not the same thing, man. You're not learning for this. You're learning for that. So mm -hmm. if I'm learning tennis, I can't automatically become a badminton champion. It's tennis. It's I love that. Sure, we have a racket and a net and something that goes over it in both games. But hey, man. There's a huge difference They're in weight, rules, there's yeah. distinct. Yeah, very distinct from each other. Right? So, so. There are certainly attributes and things, you know, within martial arts and, and combative sports. They're like inter, yeah, that boxing, interlap. That can help. You know, I like to use boxing as a, as a great example because footwork yeah. and staying on your yeah. feet and coordination, that is absolutely a great, helpful tool to help you in a real life situation. You know, the ability to read the person's body language or that's part of boxing is mm -hmm. telegraphic movement and the like and keeping your hands up in boxing that's you know that's also going to attributes not attributes yeah. that'll help you but you're no one if you that's you know no rapist comes in and is doing you know they're they're not gonna they'll come at you with that that no. stuff right? not, not just that my mother who's a 75 year yeah. old woman with mild arthritis had two kids suffered pneumonia has tons of trauma in her life she's not going to go learn boxing yeah. for self-defense no. now no. she's not going to go to any martial art on planet earth where she needs to dress in the gi put on a costume when she's worried about somebody who's going to threaten her do the bowing stuff and right she's not that's not what she wants so what do we tell so, her? So what you, do we tell her? You, you can't, can't learn, learn self-defense. There's nothing. But then that's what everybody is tagging, self-defense. It's like, oh, well, you know what? I can't do Taekwondo for self-defense. I'm 75. I'm walking on a cane. Cane foo. I'm walking on a cane for a reason, motherfucker. If I lift it up, I'm going to fall on my ass. What are you cane fooing me for? I'm not going to cane foo anybody. See, but people aren't thinking it becomes gimmick. It becomes, and everybody's buying into it. And the real people who need self-defense, I fucking know where to go, do they? They're like, mm -hmm. shit, I can't do 90% of what you're telling me yeah. is self-defense because I'm not an angry, young, 16 to 38-year-old, bald-headed alpha male who was yeah, an ex-bouncer. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. yeah, right, there we go, nailed yeah. it. Oh my God, it is exactly true. And whenever I go on any kind of, um, some of the biggest karate forums, for instance, that is always the debate. I can't kick head height anymore. How am I going to do self-defense? It's like uh, that, that but it comes up. <laughs> it comes up all this, the time. I know, it? but the, it's freaky because mm -hmm. the sad reality is 90%. This is a worldwide generic statistic, okay? 90% roughly of perpetrators are known to their victims. The, you mm -hmm. know who's you know who's doing it to you. That's yeah. one. You take Roughly 30 to 40% are family members, mm. right? 90% of the assaults and the attacks that do actually happen on people are ambushes, right? It came from behind. It came in your sleep. You were shot. You were poisoned. 
97% drugged me, they they, they groomed me and and made me think that, you know, this was a relationship when all of a sudden I'm finding myself trafficked by a family friend or a family member or whatever it is. And and 97% of females murdered are murdered by an intimate partner. Like that's worldwide. Yeah. So, but yet you see every woman's self-defense course beating up some guy in a hoodie in an alley. I'm going to palm strike him and do my crop. Yeah. And yeah. It's, who are you doing this to? Yeah. How, right. Like, I, every single woman I've ever had to teach self-defense was their assailant was somebody they knew, yeah, except for maybe like a, I think we, such a tiny minority. For As an example, we, you know, before the pandemic hit, we worked predominantly in high schools for Safe International from September to June. Every week we were in a different school. Um, in the mostly the greater Toronto area and eastern Canada, Ottawa, Montreal, all over the place. Between her and I, that's an average of approximately 200 to 300 different students every week. Yeah. Wow. Because we would have multiple classes. You're talking, a day. talking four, four or five, or five classes. Four or five classes a day of 25 to and 30 people Toronto each. is a, a massive. I mean, 25% of Canada's population is in the greater Toronto area to give you an idea of how populated that it's it's overcrowded it's, but we also yeah. thought from quebec to there so but mainly yeah. there yeah and in that time in you know four five year period we've had uh, i mean i've honestly lost track of the number at this it's point but i think 40. it's about 40 to 50 girls that have come forward to share that something had happened to you were them being victimized they abused. had been were ongoing you know we're going through abuse had been victimized um recently or in the past and out of all those girls, only two were strangers. The mm-hmm. rest were best friend's brother, my own my own father, you know, my my uncle, my boss, my coach. coach. Teacher, there was a teacher at one of the, one of the schools that we were at that, that that ended up being charged, and you know, and actually two of the schools. Um, and you know, that's how, no one talks about that. Mm-hmm. It's the stranger. It's the you know, and they it, it, it's. It's someone that we know on some level. So yeah. what? that's a psychological tornado. And assault, too. When that happens, right? All of a sudden, it, if it comes out of nowhere or it's like Rich said, an ambush situation, um, you're not right into combative mode. You're going, what the hell? I can't believe this person is doing this to me. Like, is this really? You leave yeah. your body, it, you know, at, at points. And and you don't want to, they don't want to talk about it because the shock, the shame, and I don't want to get this person in trouble. This is my best friend's brother. They're, I don't want to get them in trouble. I don't want to, or they do tell and they don't, they aren't believed. Or, you know, we met one girl who, you know, courageously shared her story in front of her class. And it was her boyfriend who she had gone to his house and he had, and she, he was trying to make the moves and she was not, not having it. She didn't want to. She turned around to leave and he grabbed her from behind in the bear hug and took her to the ground and raped her on his bedroom floor. She told her parents, immediately went home and told her parents what happened. He kept her there for hours too. Wouldn't mm-hmm. let her leave for like five, six hours and repeatedly assaulted her. When he finally let her left, she told, uh, leave, she told her mom and dad they contacted the police who then contacted the family the mother of the 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 boyfriend his punishment was he got his phone taken away from him that's all his parents had to say was well no phone for you for two weeks for raping your girlfriend you know this is this is what we're dealing with but nobody talks about this stuff yeah 
And I don't know what happened beyond that. The charges were still pending. She had a rape kit done, all that stuff. So as far as I know, that this was a situation where there was enough evidence to prosecute, which is hard to do, unfortunately. Even males, when they're assaulted, when when uh, when males are murdered, if we um, I'm talking about outside of like gang violence and stuff like yeah. that, civilians. Yeah. Um, it's by somebody they know. Males, you're looking at best friend, business partner, right? It's a brother, a, a cousin. In childhood, it's it's a, again a best friend's brother, um, a sibling, an uncle, a coach, and a even, teacher, scout leader, you know, pastor, you know, the, the clergyman of some kind. These are that you're looking at. And even when this, when it's when the violence comes from an unknown source, a stranger. One of my students a long time ago was training, and I, that's the time I had a school, and I wasn't just doing pure and applied self-defense. I was teaching mm -hmm. mixed martial arts, boxing, kickboxing. We had, I had a full-scale gym. So one of my students who was training, he wanted to eventually become a professional mixed martial art fighter. And he's, I was training him for that. He got really, really good, got to the point where he was winning tournaments locally, right? So you start small, you start to grow. Um, Long story short, one night, bachelor party, one of his friends, they all went out. He says to me, Rich, I went, right, I went to the bar, he ordered a drink, put his drink down, got up, uh, chatted with a friend, sat back down, saw that his friends started playing pool or down, whatever, he started to get up to go towards them, started to feel really, really, like, dizzy, and like he was going to pass out. Two guys came and grabbed him and said, bro, bro, are you okay? You need some fresh air, you need some fresh air. And they started leading him out, but they took him to the back door. They took him outside when he passed out because they spiked his drink. He's unconscious and they gang raped him and they left him there with his pants and his underwears down to his knees and they took off. He knew how to hit really fucking hard mm. too, you know, yeah. but it didn't help him. He wasn't training to spot that. Yeah. He was training to defend arm bars and takedowns and jabs and front kicks uh, uh, right, but he wasn't trained to spot people putting drinks, picking up on odd behavior, picking up on the setup, checking even having out a discussion with your, right? with your friends on safety. For that's something women do, do you not know? Men. Yeah, that, yeah men, I was just yeah. gonna say the that's something that, yeah, yeah that, that's behavior that plans. women are trained to be yeah. to spot in their in their girlfriends and I don't know if men know that particularly I hope they do but you know if you suddenly notice that your best girlfriend is slurring her words and she's only had two yeah. drinks yeah, you're going to yeah. take her home yeah you know, yeah you're, you you're going to take her home you're not going to put her in a cab by herself no, you're going to take her home because you know someone has spiked yeah. her yeah for yeah sure. but yeah. The, the reality is is that it actually happens um you know I wouldn't say as it's not as often as it does with women but it's not an uncommon it's not rare that men are drugged at, wow. at bars a lot of the time they end up getting robbed but there's plenty of of cases out there where it's what happened to rich a student wow where they're sexually assaulted mm. and it's not always by another man there's been cases where they're you know roofied and they have a, a mix of viagra and and uh, a sedative right. mm. so, and then they're sexually assaulted by women it's that's a bit more rare that those incidents but that is what happens it happens to men too but they don't talk about watch your drinks and men that's a thing women do not men yeah yeah and if, and if it's 
there's social violence and there's anti-social violence. The vast majority in the very high percentage of anti-social violence, it's an ambush. The bad guy, the predator, if it's a real bad guy, he, he doesn't want you to see him coming. Yeah. He doesn't want to get caught. He doesn't want to get caught. He doesn't want to draw attention to, to the, the situation. situation. He doesn't, he doesn't get want hurt. to get hurt. So he's they're, going they're to be, they're planning, and they're, there's going to be a setup. Yeah. There's going to be an Especially when you're dealing with the higher intelligent ones, right? You know, more when we're talking about sociopathy, lower level, like let's say, for example, gang members, they're a little bit that's more a brazen, different type of that's violence, a, that's right? That's a, a whole different ballpark. But yeah. Mm. But if you're dealing with social violence, you're dealing with good people having bad days. This, the violence is circumstantial, incidental to the situation. Nobody leaves their house on a Friday night going, if somebody bumps me and spills my drink tonight, I'm going to fucking kick his ass. And when he's down on the floor, I'm going to stomp him in the head three times and hammer fist him. And, right? Nobody plans that. If they do, they're sociopathic. There's something, yeah. Yeah. There's something wrong. Yeah. And it's not social violence. Then it's not social that's violence, that's, that's, right? That's yeah, because yeah, you're premeditating it. Right? So... So if you find yourself in a situation where somebody bumps you, somebody got in your face, somebody took your parking spot, somebody grabbed, whatever it is, the first question is, is am I dealing with a good person having a, having a bad day or am I dealing with an, is, am, am I being set up here? And Does this person want to victimize me or do they have an issue they want resolved, but they're really yeah. pissed off and emotional. So it's coming out really aggressive. Just interject here before that you have to have a level of self-awareness to control your own ego, ego. Yes. being triggered by, hey, you did this, or you someone in your face aggressively, and how dare you, don't, what the, accusing you of something, bumping mm. into them, cutting them off in yeah. traffic, taking their spot, whatever, they come at you aggressively. Most human beings, unless your response is fawn immediately, but if your ego is triggered, you're going to instantly lip back. That's yeah. why we you have yeah. to about self-awareness and where is this going to lead you don't know this person right and that's the first cue isn't it i don't know yeah. you so if i don't know you this isn't personal why you don't know me so yeah. if it's personal i can't get into my ego why you did this you did that you don't know anything about me so okay you're venting now i gotta figure out am i being set up or do you have an issue that you need resolved say hey man yeah. what's up how can i help you it's such a powerful question if you it think is. about it mm. why if I'm a good person having a bad day and I get in her face, I'm like, hey, bitch, you know what? Blah, blah, blah. And she goes, sir, sir, what's up? How can I help you? Well, man, you just cut me off. You just spilled my, you bumped you, you bump my child, you, you whatever it is. Yes. If I have an issue I want resolved and you say, how can I help you? I'm going to stop and I'm going to tell you exactly how mm. you can help and resolve yeah. my issue. Why? Because that's why I'm in your face. And now you offered me, right? So I'm going to tell you, you did this. They feel seen and heard. Yeah. Which is, yeah. Too. All human beings want to feel seen and heard, especially when you're emotional and upset. Yeah. You want to be seen and heard. So when you're yelling at someone and someone isn't yelling back, and they you're, go, "Hey, you're, I'm you're sorry, listening what? How can I help with you?" Empathy and and you know intensely listening to them, it starts to bring that anger and evil. Why? They're listening. They're listening. They're listening. Yeah. To it you. does. And I mean, that's happened to me. Heard. Right. Yeah. Now, I have. Yep, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say that happened to me with a customer service thing the other day when I was the angry customer. Yeah. Because, right. and I was de escalated beautifully because it was a chat box and I was raging because my mother had been left waiting for five hours for some service. Wow. And, um, and I, I, you know, I wrote, I'm so angry with you. And she said, I would feel the same way. I, I completely see you. I will do everything I can. I was like, I could feel my temper come yes. down. 
Yeah, that was really good. Mm. Um, But the other night I had a funny one. I would love to tell you. Um, I was in Tesco and there was a very, very messed up guy in there. And as I left Tesco, so night had fallen, my supermarket. So as I left the supermarket and came home, he was on the corner. And I, you know, I was I didn't even see him, but I walked home. But he was messed up. And as I give off, I'll help you vibes. I am that person. So he called out to me and he said, hey, hey, help me, help me, help me. And it's pitch black. And I'm thinking, I don't know what to do. I genuinely don't know what to do. But he seems like he's a mess. Mm. But he was unpredictable. Yeah, you know, he, know. he yeah. I didn't know what to do. So he wanted to find a particular pub. He was crying. He sat on the ground and he cried. And then he got up. He told me he'd seen someone stabbed. I didn't know if he wanted to hug me or cry or kick my face in. I really didn't know what was gonna happen so I walked him to his pub I stayed about five feet away I kept my hands out of my pockets and I just but when someone is that unpredictable how would you say to somebody to do would you just walk away would you leave them what would you do that's I mean that depends on a variety of I think you keeping your um, distance was 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 very, was, very, was a the smart one of the smartest things you can do because that distance keeps you safe and able to read if they're coming at you with something. Yeah. yeah. Um. You know, keeping that distance and and asking what do you need help with, right? I need some. I help. Help me. What do you need help with? Well, I'm trying. Is there someone offering? Is there someone I can call for you? Maybe this is a situation where. We're calling 911 to get this person help if they're that messed up, right? Are we calling um, for a mental health mobile, you know, mobile crisis unit where it's not just the police coming? You're saying I think someone here is having a mental crisis and we need some mental health workers. Mo- a lot of places have those types of services and some don't. Um, I'm not sure about your area, but if you know that you have that in your area and you see someone in distress like that, where they're crying, they're upset, they're messed up, it might be in their best interest and yours that you are getting them mental health support in that moment. Mm. Right. Um, Then there's the evaluation of your own life, Mm -hmm. which is important because um, prior to having my child, life was a little bit more well, easy and um, taking risks, not a problem. But now I have somebody else to live for. Yeah. And I promised that kid that to the best of my ability, in whatever is in my control, I'm always going to come home at night to him. Always. If it's in my control, right? Thunder, liar, stuff I can't control, I can't control. But And so if I'm walking by a particular situation that has nothing to do with me, and I see what you saw at that point. I do what Pam said. I keep him at a distance, but I would call somebody to help out social service, mental health, whatever it is, 911 going, hey, I have a situation here. Da, 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 da. Man says he saw a stabbing. He needs help. He wants to go in and to a pub He's or a bar. I don't think it's a good yeah. idea to put alcohol on him at this stage. He's a little freaked out. I think he needs up, he's yeah. upset. And, 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 he beyond needs, and he needs help, right? He's been, he seems to be traumatized from witnessing some kind of violent Something, encounter. Right? That also signals to the police what, what they're dealing with ahead of time. He's not a threat. He doesn't. But he, he could he become could, one. He could become a threat. But in this particular moment, he seems to be a traumatized 
individual who's having a mental health crisis who mm. may be on substances and wants to go put more substances in his system, system and and he need he needs help right he need, he needs that help do you have a men, um, you know mobile crisis a mental health someone who's trained in it right a lot of police aren't i've seen several videos in the of, of police in the uk and a lot of them and I, it might be different in different areas but the few that i have seen they seem to be better trained on communication and de-escalation and pa being patient and and understanding mental health situations than any almost anywhere else that i've seen there's right. a few in canada mm -hmm. areas in canada where we have mobile crisis units and they send a mental health worker and nurse psych nurse not just police and they're the ones that control the situation yeah um yeah. so we you have know, that yeah, yeah. you have that oh, good yeah so that's would be my suggestion you know you have that there you call 911 and you say i need a mental health worker crisis unit here i think this person is they've shared this with me they're acting this way that way they want that this you know we need to get them help yeah. not i'm in danger at this point necessarily but i feel they might be a danger to themselves mm. at this point i had a student and uh, one of those kids in the schools that we talked about it was a grade nine yeah. boy and um, there was a situation, um, road rage, that led to two men, adult men, getting into a fist fight. And um, the kid's father, was, who was not involved, decided to go out and be a good Samaritan and separate the two men to, to say, hey, guys, blah, blah, blah. He got stabbed for his troubles and he died in front of his boy. Mm. This kid was we need to weigh sweetheart. Oh, what a, the what a circumstances, kid. especially yeah. when we don't know, and if, if it, especially if it doesn't involve us. Now, I'm not saying you want to be the apathetic person who yeah, walks with blinders yeah, and doesn't help it's not anyone. About turning a blind eye, but it's, it's looking at what other options are there what that are, I, yeah. I can get involved without getting my get putting myself at risk and my family yeah. at risk, and you know, traumatizing my child who's watching this going on and losing my life and. Right and affecting everybody else. It's in because it's not just you, right? It's it's you have to think about everybody in your life. Yeah, I want to be a good person. I want to help people. Can I do that in a way that doesn't put me at risk of harm, of losing my life, and you know, screwing up everybody else in my life in, in mm. you know as a result because they're going to be traumatized with what happened to you. Right. Right. There's a lot we can do yeah. that doesn't involve us sticking our nose right into the situation you can call 911 uh, you know and and then you know if lots of people just take what's going on that can be helpful for in evidence but call 911 first call the police and then tape what's going on to yeah. you know that can potentially help the situation later as well it, from it's a distance. also dependent on the gravity of the issue and situation yeah. it's it, it, every situation differs yeah yeah choices have to be made um circumstances right pros and cons have to be weighed um so it's good to be proactive about that stuff and think about in advance go what am i willing to sacrifice yeah what are the potentialities right so um and people are volatile because yeah. you don't right know now, right now right is particularly right. yeah i, I think you're right when you're talking about trauma i mean the you know huge amounts of the world are going through trauma after trauma at the moment with yeah. uh, lockdowns with pandemic with people a, yeah, you, you know with, and now the war 
yeah. And there's a lot of people being hyper, hypersensitive. I mean, most people I know feel exhausted all the time, yeah. like on the edge of their nerves all the time. I'm sure you're finding that so much more in your work as well. Yeah, we, 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 we I don't like driving anymore. It's, it's, there's, there's road rage everywhere. Everybody is angry out there. I get it. I know it's not personal, but it's not pleasant to be. Yeah. Even, in, even in stores, you know, you've got people who are, uh, I've been lucky enough that I myself haven't seen someone, you know, have a fit because they're, they're they don't want to wear a mask and, and no, we, being psychologically abusive to people. It's like a, that, that store clerk isn't the one making the laws and the rules are just there doing their job and providing a service for you. It's the rules, right? Yeah. You know, you don't like it. It's fine. Nobody like I'm sick of wearing them, too, but I'm not going to go out and verbally assault and abuse people because I'm pissed off at the rules being made and the situation that we still are finding ourselves in. Right. It's just, you know, deal with your crap. And don't take it out on people and, and yeah. kind of see beyond your own hand, right? Yeah. And, you know, that person, it's not easy being a, a service worker, you know, in, no, in, today's, in today's world. I mean, no, God, just... they should have free mental health support 24-7. There that. you go, Greg. That's what you did. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. That's what you do? You work in... in yeah, yeah, yeah. I work in retail, or... yeah. Hats off to you, brother. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it's been a tough couple of years. Yeah, sure. I, I believe it. I believe it. It's not. It's not fun. It's um. It's important that you you know you take care of your mental health. Yeah, absolutely. What everyone tools were different for everybody, right? Um, talking obviously is good. If you're not a good talker with people, writing it out is still venting. That's that. That's what matters is that mm -hmm. we vent, we at least purge and not just keep it bottled up. We purge it in some way, shape, or form. Whether yeah. it's through talking, writing any any you know kind of movement movement working out yeah hitting a bag um yeah yeah I mean that's why we were so glad when training started up again it was able oh, yeah. to just like just be around people that you like yeah, yeah. yeah like-minded yeah like-minded go outside do something physical really concentrate on it I think yeah. that's something that is so useful for people is to have an activity mm -hmm. that you have to concentrate on to get your yes. head out of yep like you're saying, obsessing and, and fretting yes. about everything. Yeah. You have to go concentrate. So good for you. Yeah, it is so definitely. good for you. It's very, very, uh, it's one of the tools commonly used in trauma treatment is, you know, a somatic approach right. and mindfulness. And it's not just about sitting there and being mindful in the moment and focusing on whatever's, you know, five senses, for example, to ground or your breath. That's important. But that's what's great yoga about as well, yoga, any martial art, really, because you're so focused on, on doing things anything that you that you love and human connection is also very important we're social creatures our mental health uh, and happiness is you know a big part of it is predicated on human connection and social interaction mm -hmm. it's it's who we are there's no escaping that and this is coming from two introverts <laughs> we're both very <laughs> very introverted people but we can, you know, we also understand that we need to connect with people we connect. She with understands a lot more than more I more do. than him. He's definitely <laughs> much more reclusive <laughs> than I am. But uh, it's exhausting still being around people, even as an introvert. Even though it's important, it's you know, you still you need that that connection. And mm -hmm. And doing it outside is even better, like you said, Susie. Yeah. Right. You're you're in nature. Nature is. The science behind spending time in nature and what it does for our minds and our health, 
both physical and mental because they're com they're connected. It's a form of meditation, isn't it? It's very yeah. uh, it's healing. It really is not to sound cheesy and new agey, but nature is absolutely healing. But it's important to note that it's healing in a sense of stress and uh, uh, right and all of that stuff. Not like, oh, shit, I have a stage four brain tumor. I'm going to go take a hike yeah. Yeah, yeah. and it's going to cure me. No. We can't get ridiculous either. Right. No, yeah. So, We're talking about healing. Right. I'm, I'm speaking specifically about me mental, mental, mental health. Right. It helps with, yeah, the, with it, the mental health. In terms health. of mental health, it, yeah. it helps. It helps. Yeah. It's not a cure. It's not, but it helps. It's a great tool to, to mm. integrate. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That's amazing. It is. it is. It helps people just like defuse, like that person on the on the chat box the other day to me like just takes all the right. steam out but you know we are massively privileged we're in the countryside so you know our mm. training went outside when we were able to go back to training we did it outside so that people could feel safe yeah right uh, yeah. and so we were really lucky if we're in an inner city it would be very different for us it's a bit yeah. harder yeah when you're in urban areas for yeah, sure if it's it minus 40 harder. outside yeah <laughs> yeah we're in canada right now it's like <laughs> minus 15 minus 20 and oh wow of snow yeah it's not very cool. Not, not great to, to train outside. outside. And, 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 you know, stand is like three feet of snow. Of ice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If we if we get half an inch of snow, then that's the country shuts down. We yeah. can't cope. Yeah. We cannot yeah. cope. It's like We're everything must stop. It. Stay safe. There's some ice on the road. We have to de-ice the car in the morning. It's the end of the world. It's just yeah. Yeah, mind you, I'm in that category. I can't cope at all if the roads are slippery. I just cannot cope. That's a nightmare. Well, there's a bit of trauma for you. I spun out of control many, many years ago and um, smashed up my car and there was nobody there. And um, I like I look at ice now and I'm like, not doing it. Not not going to play. It's triggering. Yeah. No, yeah. yeah. It brings a good point as, you know, a lot of people might hear that and be like, that's not traumatic. Uh, you can't determine what is and isn't, what traumatic is and, and isn't trauma. Uh, you know, trauma is the aftermath the psychological and it's it stays in the body and manifests in different physical ways um, but a traumatic experience is anything yeah it's you know it can literally be anything most people they hear it they think childhood abuse domestic violence war, war terrorism surviving natural disasters yes those things are all traumatic experiences but so is death grief losing someone you love um, illness accidents you know that's a you, you were you were in an accident spun out of control you went into a huge adrenaline dump and fight and flight and mode and then you were stranded there was nobody there to help or right? to calm you down to, or to tell you everything's right? gonna be okay so or that, right? that, that's, a, to deal with yeah, that's a traumatic experience and it can also be you know, financial loss, divorce, loss of a job, all those things, but also you're not the one going through it, but you are witnessing someone else close to you go through it. So yeah. as you know, whether a child, teen or adult, someone close to you is going through some kind of illness and you are witness to that, that is a traumatic experience for the, the witness, the one that is seeing it, go the person go through it, that's traumatizing to watch someone go through all that. Um, that that situation and it's important to understand that trauma what qualifies as it is determined by the one experiencing it not outside witnesses deciding oh well that's not nothing 
Yeah. You know, that's, that's very, that you're not the one going through it. You're not mm. the, the one that's, you're not the expert in this topic. And we all process our things differently. And there's no age for it either, no. or minute, or my kid when he was three years old was played soccer with other kids. It's like a team thing, right? Um, and it's, he was at the park and he was changing his shirt. Look, he's three years old. So he took off his regular t-shirt to put on his uh, uh, soccer shirt and some seven or eight year old kid walked by and made a comment like, oh, you, you should keep your shirt on and not. Well, if, I ha- if I had a if body, I had a body like, like you, that, I wouldn't I was, keep. Yeah. He's three years old, right? But it's stuck in him. My kid yeah. never, has, he's 10 today. He still doesn't take off his shirt in public. Not even in swimming. Not in not swimming, swimming pools, class, nowhere. And he oh. doesn't remember the incident. Doesn't remember it at all. He has no recollection We've of the incident. We've talked to him about an experience. But it was the incident because he, 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 when we asked that. him why, when he was yeah. three, he told us. Yeah. And he remembered until he was about four. And then we never talked about it again because, yeah. you know, we figured. But then when he turned six or seven, I'm like, buddy, you know, it's a good thing, blah, blah, blah. Don't let that kid, blah, blah, what kid? But when you were, don't remember when you were three, yeah. blah, blah. No he has no recollection of it now. Yeah. Whatsoever. But he still won't take his shirt off in public. And that is that's a traumatizing that, that's a traumatizing right? I- yeah. incident for a child. He has a complex now. Which makes him a body, have a complex a about body, his body, a body issue. complex now, body issue 10. over something so, you know, quote unquote trivial small or small. Trivial. But that that's you know, that's that's a big blow to a child's self confidence. And you know, it's, it's important that we A as people outside someone's experiences and you know that we don't judge and say well that's not you know people have been through worse how can this person have this from that experience or doing it to ourselves sometimes we do that to ourselves right where Mm -hmm. we're like yeah i went through all this but you know people you know have been through way 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 worse you know it's not yeah you belittle i'm I'm, I'm not a you know i'm not a syrian refugee for example or i never went through that or i wasn't you know abused in childhood or i wasn't don't that doesn't invalidate don't don't lessen your pain and your experiences and invalidate yourself because somebody somewhere else had it you know quote unquote worse and the yes. invalidation actually makes it worse. Yeah. Mm. It, it, it it's literally. Sh- it's shame. It's shame. It's a it's a root. It's a part of being shame shamed of your you know yeah. shame for yourself and it's there's and that a, leaks into yeah everything every yourself erodes your self confidence and this is why you you know certain antisocial individuals are attracted to people with that eroded self-confidence. Why? I can be a bully and abusive to you and you're going to put up with it. I can get away with it. Why? You have no self-confidence and they're attracted to that. And that's not blaming the individual, but it's important that we understand why predators are attracted to certain types of individuals, why they can get away with it and get their, what they want out of their actions and B, so we can do the work. It's the reason why pro- prostitutes, yeah. mentally ill, are, are, you know, and the like are such high targets for serial killers and yeah. and the like because yeah. they're, they're quote unquote easy prey. Easy they're weak prey. and vulnerable. And nobody believes them. If they go to the cops, they get arrested because they're not right. So they, they're there. It's a specific, right? So, mm. yeah. You know, sex That's trade workers haven't been able to even. Up until recently, more recently, is it a little bit, you know, uh, more accepted or it's not so judged that they can, and some of them still won't, depends where you are, 
they couldn't for a long time even go and report being raped by a John. Why? Without being arrested. Because, no, you just admitted a prostitution. Now you're under, you're under arrest. arrest. Yeah. yeah. We're not going to take your case. We're going to throw you in jail. Instead. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Say, yeah. Say, and just right. add to that trauma. Yeah, just add yeah. to that trauma. Yeah. And, 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 and then they have children. People and people have children. Kids. Or, you know, you look and look up epi, epigenetics. Look up that. And that's, you know, being passed down on, in generation. And here Trauma's we are. Trauma passed down through DNA. R- um, RNA, particularly, RNA, specifically. Right. But, yeah, it's, it's you know, it's, it's crazy. It's a, a whole, it's like a giant onion. <laughs> yeah. So, so so um, I would I would really like to ask because because uh, um, Mary brought this uh, phrase phrase to me um, that she was saying about um, systemizing trauma informed teaching for all groups not just um, vulnerable groups mm-hmm. and um, and and I wanted to ask you about that why why that is important the the trauma informed teaching for all groups uh, for all groups as far as you know anyone who's teaching anything should be trauma-informed, whether that's you're teaching self-defense, martial arts, yoga, dance, you're coaching sports, you're a teacher in a school, you're teaching any kind of form of teaching. It should, first of all, trauma-informed care and and, uh, education should be in nearly every industry, absolutely any form of education. Um, and, and law enforcement, like I had said earlier, uh, it's important because trauma is pervasive. It is everywhere. It's not just the soldier coming back from war or the person who went through horrific childhood abuse. Yes, those people are traumatized, but the mass majority of human beings have trauma on some level and it will manifest differently for everyone. You might see some similarities, but as an example, the, you know, let's say a school teacher, the school teacher who has the, the problem quote unquote problem child in their class. It always acts out, talks back, you know, won't listen, is always in trouble. Um, it nine times out of ten, if not a hundred percent of the time, the story behind that behavior isn't going to make you angry or angry. It's gonna break your heart. Yeah. That child, there's some that child's traumatized. There's something going on with that child, but what do we do? We punish them. And we, we label, discipline, we label them. They and, become and, the problem one. Yeah, they're yeah. they're yeah you know, shunned and they're this. and Wherever they go, they're neglected, labeled. Nobody's listening. So yeah. we're, the, the, the chances of this person developing an antisocial behavioral personality becoming disorder, an abuser, becoming an abuser way, in one form. way or another, yep. increases with every single person that goes and turns their back on them. Yeah. And once they turn 18, it's a done deal. Yeah. It is over. It is irredeemable until, like, to date, it's irredeemable. There's been no, as far as, as any research. Curing on, extreme narcissism or sociopathy. There's no. After a certain point, when that brain is developed, it. it's, 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 they, they have to admit what they are <laughs> to get help and they don't see it. There's nothing, they don't, haven't done any, there's nothing they do is wrong. Yeah. Uh, it's everyone else in society, right? It's not me, it's them. Um, so it's important that we we recognize um, the trauma responses in human the cries beings, for help. the cries for help. Um, it's important that we understand how going into outside of education, but um, into law enforcement, why is this person's memory affected? You know, there's this misconception 
uh, both the opposite sides of, of the spectrum here, where if they remember too much, they're lying. If they don't remember anything, they're lying. It, it's memory is affected. That that's a fact, especially a by disassociation. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. They, they don't remember certain things. So there are misconceptions about, you know, how a, a survivor or a victim should behave, how they should remember things, how they, <laughs> how they shouldn't. Right. And um, these preconceived notions and misinformation are very, very dangerous. As we know, misinformation is incredibly dangerous yeah. and damaging. Um, so it's right it's important that we educate so we understand that yeah this person's acting a little bit strange or their memory's not great they might that, that that's doesn't mean that they're not telling the truth that doesn't mean they're not telling the truth it means that something is probably going on if anything it might be more evidence that something happened because mm. of the signs that they're showing and going back to now you know education is yes recognizing the signs that we can get that person help but also recognizing that we don't do things inadvertently that we don't realize until we've been educated on it things we might be doing certain you know language that we use behaviors we might the simple thing of you know touching someone on the shoulder if someone who's been, you know, abused or sexually assaulted, you don't touch people. Now that's just as even the most innocent little like touch on the shoulder can trigger someone. Don't yeah. they, they re recoil, right? You feel you see that body language. So understanding the do's, what to do, what not to do, recognizing trauma responses in people, not just ch children, but you know, kids and teens and adults and the like, and what we can do to create safe environments that create a sense of obviously safety, trust, empowerment, um, and collaboration, right? It's a, a collaborative a relationship between student and teacher, Yeah. you know, and, and allowing students to ask questions and question what you've taught them and to not be, I'm the teacher, so I know everything, right? Uh, a thousand apologies. You know, that's, it's important that, that we, um, educate on these things and, and we improve and also reflect on ourselves. Are, am I bringing my own trauma responses to the classroom? Am I inadvertently showing trauma response? Is there things that students do or say, what's my trigger? What are my triggers? What are, what are the things that activate me or make my ego flare or make me feel defensive? That's a big one. That's probably the most common one is I would invite everybody to engage a little bit of self-awareness in their day-to-day -day life and notice what makes you feel defensive. What triggers what, you? What is it that triggers you? What makes you feel defensive or feel, Even angry. feel heightened in, in any any way, shape, or form? Any kind of, you know, emotion that's an intensive, what is it? What caused that? Misdirected anger is the primary cause of all of social violence. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's misdirected yeah. anger. We're, we're going to take out all of all the stuff that we've oppressed, neglected, denied, and we're going to take it out on the next person who rubs us the wrong way, who cut us off in traffic, who, um, you know, who dissed us in public in one way or another and didn't apologize or whatever. We're, and so you got two people feeling that way, clashing over a parking spot. That yeah. situation is going physical. No one's de-escalating. Everybody's yeah. angry. Mm. So you're going to get into a fight. And, and so and that's not self-defense. Social violence is not self-defense. You're provoking the other person, whether you know it or not, right? 
if you're challenging them, you're provoking them. If you're threatening them, and I don't mean threatening them like, I'm going to kill you, man. Leave me alone or I'm going to call the cops. That's a, That's threat. a threat. Yeah. Right? Leave or what? Yeah. Or what? And, and you what know, are you going to do? When, it, when, so he's, it, when he's talking about misdirected anger and, and the social violence, if you are able to recognize signs and, and read people very well beyond, you know, the basics that we learn, um, you can spot which students may be more prone to engaging in social violence. Right. It becomes actually quite They get very defensive over the littlest things, like you giving them a critique, for example, or you coaching, simply coaching or teaching or correcting their form or whatever it is, correct, you know, and they get, they're not open to that critiquing and open mm. to learning and the coach, they get very defensive that you told, that that's- Or even self-abusive. I suck. I'm yeah. a loser. Yeah, yeah. Fuck, I can't. I'm, I'm, you know, that that's that's another big red flag. Yep. Right? Mm. So, so uh, um, it's it's these are trauma responses. Those are all rooted in some kind of experience or experiences that are that cause that, you know, a norm yeah. uh, someone who grew up in a healthy, loving, um, encouraging, supportive household communicative and, and communicative was taught to communicate and open and they're much 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 less, much less likely to take critique personally and be so defensive over the littlest thing or to be self-shaming right to to, yeah. to have low self-esteem that that's that comes in from different things that comes from multiple experiences yeah lack of, of support in the home so I, I want to um, ask you, and this might be the, the silliest questions, and I know we still have a lot to talk about, not a load of times. So this might be like too big a question, but all of those are, uh, uh, I can see all of that, felt some of that, know people who go through that. So all of that's great. But I know that you were saying you mentioned red, fla red flags, which is what was making me think about it. So those are all trauma responses from, let's say, people who are in a sort of normal space. So how would you differentiate between that and a predator? Well, the predator is also suffering from trauma, the vast majority, um, especially if you're looking at narcissism, Machiavellian type, sociopathy, malignant narcissists. Malignant narcissists. Yeah. That, that comes from abuse that comes from trauma. Now, how do you recognize in the conflict and a potential conflict that between the two in, in the verbal, de there's a behavioral aspect of verbal de-escalation and it has to be human. It has to be generic because if it becomes culture specific, religion specific, vocational specific, you're losing, it's not going to always, it's not going to function every single time, even within that vocation or culture or religion or whatever. Why? Because primarily to all of that, we're human and our human instincts and reactions override even, all of that even stuff. Behaviors, right? Even behaviors. So we want to appeal to empathy. Let's, for as an example, use the example of someone thinking, um, that you're staring at them, that you're glaring at them from across the room or you're staring at their significant other and they get in your face about it. Hey, you're fucking staring at me. They're in your face about it. You can't say yes. It was because you're getting they're going to hit you. You mm. can't say no because you're calling them a liar and they're emotional. They don't feel seen and heard. 
you give them, like Rich was saying, a relatable human experience that we've all done, regardless of culture and vocation and all that stuff, which is, I'm so sorry, I was staring off into space, right? Who hasn't zoned out? Now that transcends gender, culture, religion, politics, ideology, belief. It's a human thing to stare off into space and to get lost and to get lost in thought. Yeah. So, so we're looking at human aspects and the per a good person having a bad day has an issue they want resolved. The bad guy doesn't, they're targeting you to be a victim for something. I'm going to mug you. I'm going to hurt you. I'm going to, whatever I'm going to do to you. So generally speaking, if the person is in your face going, Hey, or a stranger has approached you talking and you don't know them from a hole in the wall. The very first thing that's got to come into your head is I don't know this person. First of all, I don't know them. So one, whatever it is, it's not personal Two, it might be a setup because they've made themselves known to me. I'm not being ambushed, right? They're right in front of me. They're, they're talking, whether yeah. they're asking me for the time or, Hey man, you got a freaking problem or Hey, what the hell are you looking at? Whatever it is. Right? So at that point, we said the most powerful question you can ask a person in these situations is, what's up, man? How can I help you? How can I help you? Is very illustrative. Will, will, will give a lot of information. The good person having a bad day will tell you. You did gonna, this. You did this. You did that. This happened. Blah, 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 blah. But it could still be a setup. They're, they're still looking potentially for an opportunity. So during that entire process, you have to maintain body language that is congruous to the situation and the dialogue that at the same time allows you to spontaneously protect yourself, maximizing your reflexive response Mm -hmm. and allow you to strike the person at any time without telegraphing your intention whatsoever. The best way of doing that, which we're not going to get into a whole physical dynamic, but just to give you an idea is, if I'm saying, hey, man, if, if I'm conflicted, my hands come up in a, hey, man, what's up? How can I help you? I'm yeah. up here. Why? Because if we look at this and a fighting stance, it's the exact same thing. Yeah. <laughs> Body this, language. this is aggressive. This yeah, is not, right? negotiative, so, passive, well, almost submissive in certain situations. No one's going to believe me. How can I help you? <laughs> so, but if I, if I go camouflage, how can I help you, man? What's up? It's much more believable. Yeah. Now. The person's walking up to me, but they're not conflicting. They're not angry. Hey, excuse me, man. Do you know blah, 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 but they're walking in. My intuition goes, I don't know this guy, something's off, but whatever. My hands come up here, which is, but here now. Why? Because like, if he's coming in asking me for the time or the directions, I can't look at him and go, hey, man, how can I help you? It's just as silly as saying, how can I help you? It's not yeah. congruous now yeah. any longer, right? So I shift into a position where my hands, where her hands are here now, if I stand up and she stands up and we separate the trees here for two seconds, right? Really, really quickly. I'm at a range from here that step a little bit back that in order to reach her, I don't have to move towards her right now. I just, I'm right there. Just stand. Yeah. Right there. So from here, I do this. I reach her instantly, yeah. instantly, right? Now, if her hands are down and my hands are down, don't let me grab your throat. Okay. I'm talking to her about, now that could be anything. That could be a sucker punch, whatever. Right? So, but for the purpose of the drill, I'm not gonna punch Pam in the face. I'm just gonna grab her throat. So if my hands are here, her hands are here, boom, I'm in. She can't stop it. Why? Yeah. Because her reflex response at that point 
isn't quick enough because her hands are down. I move, she moves, she's a step behind me. Yeah. But if her hands are here and my hands are down because I'm not coming at her and I don't want to telegraph my intention, if I move towards her now, mm. her reflex of flinching from down here to come up to here has been cut short by having her hands here. So I'm now they're just where I need to be on here instead of here. Yeah. So here. Outside of the people who freeze, everybody else is gonna do this. Yeah. Everyone else. So yeah. if her hands are here and I go, Bleh! and she extends at that point, I'm getting nailed. Cool. Whether I go sucker punch, right? Strangulation, right? I go to grab her hair. It doesn't matter what I do. My movement, to quote Bruce Lee, my movement, my energy, the fact that I start moving towards her offers her the opportunity to intercept me. But the only way she can do that is if her hands are already up here in one way or another. Because if she's caught down, I land every single time. But yeah. if they're up here, I don't. Right? So, yeah. And, and so the premise is to maintain a stance congruous that allows you access to your offensive and defensive tools on a reflexive level while giving the person a way out of the situation. How can I help you? You did this, this, and that. No problem, man. I'm really sorry. I'll move my car. I'll buy you yeah. a new drink. Yeah. I'm really sorry. I didn't see you there. I was just drifting off in this space. If you thought I was staring at you, well, I apologize. You, I meant nothing by it. You want to make them feel seen and heard, offer a solution, and, and appeal to empathy. Yep. Because if it's the good person having the bad day, real You're going to snap them out of their funk instantly. They're going to, yeah, they're going to. Like you. Right? They're going to de-escalate. Yeah, just mm. like you, Susie, with that when she, I see you, yeah. you, you felt yourself calming down. It's the same situation here. Now, if it's not the social violent individual, it's If anti, you're dealing with an anti-social. You're dealing with a predator at this They're going to deflect the question. No matter what you say, no matter how nice you are, no matter how you know, many solutions you give them, no matter how much you're trying to fish for their empathy, it's not coming through and they continue to threaten. Yeah. And it's, they're, if they're or not, set up or they're not leaving. So if I say, how can I help you? And you say something to me like, well, you're beyond help now, man. You know exactly what you did. I, it's a good time to preemptively strike you. I have yeah. the moral, legal, and ethical go ahead. Why? What more can I say to this human being that's going to make him go, oh, I'm sorry, and walk away after yeah. I say, how can I help you? And he says, you're beyond help now, you piece of shit. You know exactly what you did. Mm -hmm. Okay, I got, now I hit you. Freely, why? You're not a good person having a bad day. You're somebody who wants to hurt me. I offered you how to help you. You told me I can't help you and you're still threatening me walking towards me. Done deal. Boom. Yeah. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to physically do and, something now and to stop you. If it's out in the yeah. open, you preemptively strike and run. If yeah, you stun oh, and yeah. run if don't, you can't. Don't keep going to town no. on that person if they're not a threat anymore because now you're using excessive force and you're going to be charged. If they're no longer if I flick she flicks me in the eye and I go, "Ah, and she has the ability to run and she doesn't while well, I went, ah, and she continues on beating on me. That's excessive use of force because the yeah. good lawyer is going to go, well, while he was doing this, madam, do you think he could have pulled out a knife? Well, no, but he could have. Well, madam, that's not what I asked you to do. And while he was doing that, do you think that you could have run at least 10 feet? Well, yeah. Well, then, OK, it's not self-defense anymore, is it? It's excessive use of force. Yeah. OK, mm -hmm. so that's depending what country, of course, and where and all that. Yeah. Every place has its laws. But you want to load the dice in your favor. Yes. Yeah. Now, they might deflect the question, how can I help you? Well, you know what, man? You need to come with me over here and blah, blah, blah. Hey, no, I'm not going to a secondary location. But I'm not going to tell them that. But my brain now goes, uh-oh. <laughs> Red flag number two. I asked, how can I help you? They want me to go over there. I ain't going over there. 
I don't know you. Never, you don't ever, know my ever, schedule. Ever, ever. I, I'm really sorry. I'm picking up my kid from school in 10, 15 minutes. If you've got an issue I can resolve now, no problem. If not, let's exchange numbers. We'll take care of it later. Insurance one way or another. I'm out. I don't know you. Yeah. And while you're doing that, I can create distance and walk as you're talking. I'm sorry, man, blah, 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 and keep moving away. No good person having a bad day is going to hunt you down and keep following you to keep talking to you. It's that, right? That's red flag number three. Yeah. Right? So in order to figure out what you're dealing with, don't challenge them in any way, shape, or form. Don't touch me, man. <laughs> Back off or what? Leave me alone or what? I don't want any you trouble. If you come any closer, I'm gonna, you're going to for a world of pain. Or You're whatever. Along None of that. Lines, right? like, uh, no yeah. challenges, no yeah. threats. Yeah. I'm going to call the cops. Uh, I have you on film. No threats. Because somebody who's backed into a corner, you don't know, and they don't want to get caught because the next time they're doing life or whatever, yeah. you're going to prompt them to kill you, aren't you? So don't prompt them to kill you. Don't challenge, don't threaten. Don't tell them they're wrong. You looking at me? No, I'm not. Yeah, you are. Dude, I'm not looking at you. Fucking calling me a liar? And you can't say yes in that situation. You my, right now. <laughs> yeah, you looking at me? Yeah. Hit, right? So too many details. Use it against them. Classic Gavin De Becker, Gift of Fear. If you have not read the book, I highly recommend it. Too many details. Hey, man, you got a problem? Man, I, I, if I'm honest about it, and I've actually done this more than once, and it's always worked. Guy gets it in my face. You got a fucking problem, man? Brother, I, yeah, man, I got a lot of problems. Why you ask? Does it show on my face? You fucking kidding me? No, you're not going to believe this. About three weeks ago, I came home and I caught my fiance with my brother right in, right in the thing. No way, man. Yeah. The person with empathy is going to be like, oh, now I feel like a jerk for yeah. getting in this poor guy's face and you end up befriending them. Now, yeah. tone is important because he goes, you got a problem? Yeah, man, I got a lot of problems. Right? I'm going to get nailed. But if I look at him and honestly say, yeah, especially if I'm in an establishment that serves alcohol, dude, yeah, I got a lot of problems. That's why I'm here drowning them. <laughs> why do you ask? Did it show on my face? I mean, what is it about me? No, man, you were staring at me. Oh, shit, dude, I'm really sorry. I was drifting off in his face. This and this happened, blah, blah, blah. You had a conversation with the guy. I've made friends this way. I'm not joking. Yeah. Two guys are playing pool. I know their names. I know their backstory. I know everything about them because the first thing to, hey, man, you got a fucking problems, brother. Yeah. <laughs> I got a lot of problems. I got a lot of problems. Honest, got some yeah. time. <laughs> you see, yeah. Here's what the bad guy's going to say. Let me buy you a drink and I'll sit down and see. <laughs> the good person having a bad day is going to have empathy. You're going to make a friend. Yeah. Or they don't have time. They're going to brush the sword to hear that, but uh, you know, okay. And they're going to leave. They, they're not interested, right? The bad guy is going to buy them. Well, I don't give a fuck about your problems. You've been looking at me. Uh-oh. Mm. I'm in a fight. Yeah. I can't escalate this guy. I gave him a story with empathy. He asked me if I have a problem. Tell me I got a lot of problems while I'm here. Well, I don't give a shit about your problem. Then why are you asking me, man? I just told him my mom died. Yeah, yeah, and he, and he just said, F you and F your mom. Well, oh, so, okay, it's not a good person here. Gonna... There's ways to, yeah. So the preliminary strategy is fish for empathy. Why? Mm. Because the, the bad guy, the narcissist and the sociopath and the Machiavellians, and they have limited to selective to no empathy. You're dealing with a psychopath. They have no empathy whatsoever. They're not capable of it. They don't even know what the fuck it's. It's like a person born with no legs or no sight. You can't tell them, look, I can't. I don't have it. So it's the same thing for them. The brain is physically different. Yeah. Everybody else is through abuse. The psychopath, it's through, as far as we know, a missing protein in the womb. They're born that way. They're very rare. But they're very rare. Well, not as rare as we. they are. They make up 
Three, Not, sorry, violent. Physically, the the, the violent, violent ones are very rare. rare. Like the Ted Bundys, all those mm. serial killers. Yeah, they're sure. rare. They're yeah. like percent yeah. of the but psychopaths make up anywhere between seven to twelve percent of the population but you're going to find them in positions of power politics yeah. law enforcement ceos uh, medicine number, ceo is the number one science um, vocation so yeah. we're, at, we're at the 24 after mark um, yeah oh, wow. absolutely yeah i've been watching you know. that so i think um so shall we shall we talk about um what you're doing um because you're coming to the uk you're right. coming to do some seminars. I'm sure that you're going to be teaching a lot of the stuff that we've just discussed. Um, in much greater detail. <laughs> that's in much, much greater detail. So we definitely want to hear what you're doing and who's teaching what and when and where so that we have all of that. Yeah. And, um, I and I also have a, a very specific, <laughs> I see the shredder is in there, Rich, but you're not really focusing on doing the, being the shredder guy at, no. uh, anymore. And uh, no. So, so, <laughs> and I, thank you for I noticing. You. <laughs> so, tell us what, everything that you're doing and uh, and what's going to happen. Okay. So, on from the May 6th, this 7th, is where I find out too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> May 6th, 7th, and 8th, we're in London, the um, Uxbridge area specifically, I believe. And uh, then the 12th, 13th, and 14th will be in Cambridge. Again, that's May. Um, on May 6th in the London area, we're doing a one-day teacher workshop. So that's, uh, you know, we're targeting teachers, self-defense teachers. Uh, and, and what, any kind of teacher. Yeah, it doesn't any, have to be self-defense. Yeah, any kind of teacher. But more... If you're teaching and you want to learn this yeah, stuff, hit us up. Yeah, we're, we're teaching, uh, you know, how to create safe environments. Trauma-sensitive. Um, you know, what, what, what should be taught if you're, you know, looking at a, a small amount of time with people. Um, so we're, we're it's, a, it's just a, a screenshot, if you were, just a, a quick little shot of the trauma-informed teaching you know, masterclass and intensive that we do, that should, which is much, much deeper. That's a four day. That's a four day intensive. Eight hours eight a day. Hour, eight hour a day. That's going to be in Great uh, Yarmouth, I believe. Um, what's the date of that one? Is that the 12th, 13th and 14th? No, no that one is uh, the 22nd, sorry, the May 18th to the 22nd, four days. And that's in Great Yarmouth. Right. So that's for teachers as well. That's a four that, day that intensive. And that's, that one's for anyone. So that one from May 18th to the 22nd in Great Yarmouth is through Raid Defense uh, is, is who's hosting us. And that's for anybody. It seems to attract a lot of teachers, but we've had people, paramedics, for example, who have taken it, um, educate, you know, teachers um, in high school. That have, that have taken it as well. Um, all walks of life. That's Engineers. It, any, all of our stuff is open to anybody, but they, it seems to attract a certain type, but we've had all kinds of walks of life that have taken taken our this stuff. This four or five day course is, is a deep dive unlike anything that's on the market today. Yeah. If you thought what we gave you today was valuable or eye-opening or anything. And that was an hour that's and a half. Like, that's you can like, add, you're, add another. You're looking at 32 hours <laughs> yeah. of getting into the intricacies and mm -hmm. really depth of this stuff yeah. and understanding it on a, on a, so, on a core human level. So going back to the beginning of, of, of May here. So May 6th, like I said, in the London Oxbridge area, we're doing a one day teacher workshop, the seventh and eighth in the same area, London and Oxbridge. We are both each teaching separate our own workshops, but at the same time, at the same time, but they're, we're not teaching together. We have separate. So the Saturday, I'm teaching a shredder workshop for women and the LGBTQ plus community. So it's a specific group that I'm I'm focusing on there. Uh, 
and Rich will be teaching uh, the Foundations of Violence in a Shredder workshop on that Saturday. That's the, the 7th. The Sunday I'm doing uh, a, a kind of a prevention and awareness and physical skills, and that's open to everybody. So similar, but open to all. Mm-hmm. And then the Sunday Rich is doing a knife defense mm. workshop as well, which highly, highly recommend. I know the UK has a lot of issues um, with an I increase do. in ni- knife violence. Yeah. I would highly recommend um, that people look at taking that that knife his knife defense course. It is um, the best out there, in my personal opinion, and many, many other opinions of many others. You can just go online and look at the countless testimonials on on his knife defense. It's not your typical course. No. Where, uh, move, parry, no. block, kick no. him in the neck. <laughs> no, no. This is realistic. It's the reality of it. So that that's those dates are London and Uxbridge. And then the sim- same format follows in Cambridge. So the 12th, the 13th, and 14th, it's the same um, the same. Same work schedule, same, same schedule, schedule, but yeah, in so another the, town. So the Friday, the 12th is a teaching, and, and again, the Saturday, Sunday are the same. And that's in, in Cambridge. And then again, like I said, the May 18th to the 22nd, we're in Great uh, Yarmouth, and that is for the trauma-sensitive teaching um, and prevention intensive, four-day intensive, and then there is a shredder, uh, half-day shredder workshop on the Sunday. So not as long as the ones in London and Cambridge, but um, two half-day uh, shredder workshops on that Sunday, the 22nd. Okay, that's brilliant. And is there, is there one website or place that people can go to to find all of those dates? So there are two <laughs> websites. The first ones, um, the 6th to the 14th, that is being hosted by Self-Defense Global. So it's selfdefenseglobal.com. Defense is spelt with a C. There's yeah. two different ones, so let's <laughs> be clear there. The S is is a different site and it's under construction, so it's with a C. Um, I'm just going to pull that up here on my phone and just confirm that to make sure. So th- that's where you're going to find, yeah, so that's Defence with a C, Global. Um, you'll find the Cambridge and London workshop details where to sign up on that website. The website for the Great Yarmouth one, the intensive four-day, is on RAID defense that's the master class that's the yeah so that's raid dash defense also with the c dot com r-a-i-d dash d-e-f-e-n-c-e dot com and you'll find the trauma trauma informed violence prevention prevents prevention and defense program on there thank you we will share them and um put them up on our facebook page as well perfect thank you so much well, thank, thank you. you. I feel like my hair's blown back with all this information. Can't wait to listen back. <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a, do you ever want to do a part two and we have a bit more time? I'd love to. Yeah, yeah I'd love to. We're here. Absolutely. We're here for that. Anytime, seriously, anytime. Yeah. You call, you let us know when you have more availability and we'll just do it again. Yeah, yeah for yeah, sure. sure. We can do it next weekend. We can do it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, whenever you guys want. Whenever really. you guys want. We can, really, we can you figure that out off after. Yeah. <laughs> we hit stop on the record so okay yeah, we're definitely a part two would awesome be great. yeah that'd be great there's there's Thanks. so much stuff that specifically obviously from a karate audience that we have that is just never ever talked about mm-hmm. that needs no, to be yeah. needs to be heard so yeah no i'd love to do a part two for sure for sure that, that cool, sounds that'd great be amazing yeah love yeah to.
Great. Regain. That is on. That is going to happen. And our listeners should send in their how do we do our self-defense questions to us so that we can Mm. ask. Yeah, that would be great, too. Maybe that's what's best. Yeah, do a Q&A. We can do that as well. That would be amazing. People can jump in and ask. That'd be great. Yeah, I'd love that. Yeah. Cool. Thank you very much for your time. set, Set something up. For sure, that sounds great. Thank you. Thank you for having us. It's been a pleasure. And you. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Oh, my God. Wow. Incredible people. I feel like I've had a therapy session.